of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 502. Jason Lingren is with me and Amanda Vollmer returns. Um, it's been quite a while, February of 22, actually. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and rattle off the episodes Amanda's been with us. So here they come. 386.5, We're going to catch up with Amanda and uh, find out what's going on in the Great White North, which is, from our point of view, one of the places that's really taken some heat uh, with regard to the so-called reset. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a lovely good morning. Well, welcome back, Amanda. It's been quite a while. Hello. Hi, Crow. Hi, Jason. Nice to be here again. I've missed you guys. Oh, we've been so busy and we just cleared 500. I feel a bit wrung out at times, but you know what we're doing here matters as much as it ever has, I guess. So I'll just let, let's break the ice here. What the heck is going on with you? How are things going in the Great White North? That would be Canada for those of you listening who never listened to Rush. <laughs> if you don't listen to Rush, there's something severely wrong with you. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Another diminishing thing in our world. <laughs> Actually, I um, I recently uh, for Christmas um, w- was gifted by my husband a bass guitar because I used to play bass guitar when I was oh. younger. And you see, I was flo- I, I started in the arts originally. I. I had no interest in all of these tedious and didactic topics. And I, I felt art was the way through. So I was a painter, a dancer. I did, you know, theater arts. I did everything artsy as you could get, you know, because I thought that was going to be my vocation. Um, but the divine spirit had other plans for me. And I, I went into, you know, obviously animal health and then human health, but I still long for the music and for playing and these sorts of things. And I was trying to find balance in my life as I'm teaching always about balance and how to have fun too throughout it, how to heal from trauma and stress, how to, how to do self-care, how to have good boundaries, um, how to express yourself uh, properly so that people understand you or you have really clear communication and how to identify your needs and wants and values and goals and reassess those, you know, from time to time and what matters to you in this short, incredible life, you know, where are your priorities? And I've been writing a lot of courses. I've been writing a lot. I've been sitting and writing a lot, which is great for the brain part of life um, and thinking and compiling. But, you know, for the rest of my life, I need to you know, do these other activities. So that was a fun little inclusion just to pick up. And man, I'm rough. I'll tell you that. I don't know about muscle memory (laughs) or not, but I've got to start fresh now, I think. uh, Well, base takes a little more muscle, but you know, if you stick at it, it takes a month or two, your hands will be sore. You'll develop that invisible muscle between your ring finger and your pinky, but base is a good place to start if you haven't been there. And by the way, you know, art, while we're talking about it is going to be a big, it is a big, big deal, but it's going to be a bigger deal as we get into the era of AI, because everybody is going to be able to access things that can make soulless images at a level they never could have imagined. And I'll tell you what, I support artists like you can't imagine. And what's interesting about art in general, and this dawned on me like a month ago, I'm finishing off a book written by uh, Yogananda, who was the, uh, the student of the man who redefined the yugas, which I currently accept. But when I got to the point of the so-called enlightenment, so whenever the uh, Renaissance was, we're told there was this big explosion of beauty and all this art. You know, I'm looking back at some of that art, and sure, it's a big jump from where we just were, but to me, it always represented materialism. And it fits perfectly within the age sets that I've been studying because the dark age is labeled as the age of materialism. But let's, let me not lead us too far away from where you're going. Uh, last we spoke, the powers that be in Canada were showing you steel-toed boots like way too much. Uh, how are you faring in that regard? Well, we have 
the appearance of returning to quasi-normal. I'm noticing only a small handful of people still using any type of masking, but they're still doing it. I see the plexiglass is still up. (laughs) I am not really sure the levels were uh, of people as far as where they are back to normal, but I do know that the employment, the unemployment rate is through the roof and people are stressed about their renewing their mortgages. A lot of them have to go on variable rates just to renew, uh, which is stressful. And many people are downsizing or having to make really serious decisions about what they're spending. And the food prices are just alarming. I mean, when you go into the store, you just can't even believe how you're you're aghast. You're like, how dare you ask that much money for that thing, you know? And I think a lot of people are rethinking their reality right now. I feel like a lot of people are seeing through the lies too, more um, than before, which is good, good sign. Um, Are we at critical mass for that? I'm not sure we are. A lot of people that aren't really awake or or weren't at least throughout the whole pandemic, I've asked them, you know, do you know what 15 minute cities are? Do you um, subscribe to the idea of a digital identity? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it will all be tied in with uh, your other licenses and things? Are you feeling secure about your personal medical data being connected to a microchip that's connected to right now only perhaps a card, but later to something implanted in you? Um, what are you feeling about the weird purple lights that they're putting out on um, these weird kind of um, street lights and all of the CCTV cameras that are going up all over the place? What about the trials of the 15 minute cities that aren't going that well, where people are removing blockades and breaking down infrastructure? Uh, how do you feel about robot dogs policing your streets? Are you comfortable with that? Like they don't know anything about what I just said. It's like just, just crickets, right? So there clearly the mainstream news has not been broken through that barrier of uh, control of information has not been penetrated by the mass awakening quite yet, at least on mainstream, you know, on TV and these sorts of places. So we'll see. I've been doing white rose stickers, placing some right white rose stickers around in different places. What, what does that mean? Well, White Rose is uh, on Telegram. If you look at them, they will send you free stickers that are uh, awakening of some level. Like uh, one of them I put was a picture of a a vaccine said, are you sure you're (laughs) something like, do you regret now? (laughs) Like, are you, are you sure everything that you did through that was, was okay? You know, just like, let's reflect, you know, these sorts of uh, stickers I've been putting around or, you know, who do you, do you know Bill Gates isn't a doctor? Like these sorts of things and whatever I can do for the little bits of activism that I can or all at the grocery store, I'll go, wow, this plexiglass seems to be making a, you know, a permanent sort of fixture here. Is this a new piece of art? You know, I'll just make a joke and see if they'll bite and say, oh yeah, you know, we're going to keep it here just in case or whatever is usually what they say. So just to try to challenge the narrative a little bit because people are just walking around in a zombie-like state and still in shock and trauma from what happened. And I don't think they're dealing with it very well uh, in general. So there's probably a lot more alcohol consumption and other, you know, drug use consumption. And I heard of a lot more infighting in homes and things because of stress, financial stress. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of change happening and the financial markets are volatile. And if people don't know what to do with their money, that's also very confusing. Like the commercial banks will fail there. That's planned to fail. They don't want the middleman commercial bank anymore. It's going to be CBDC direct to the central bank system. You don't need the middleman banks They're They won't even hand out cash here. That's been the really interesting thing here, which I, I know they've been doing ever. I don't know about you guys, but when we go into a bank and we want to take out cash, they're they're limiting how much we're allowed per day. And they've done this in Kenya and they've done this in other countries where they're bringing in CBDC and they're trying to pressure people to want their crappy centralized currency, uh, which is just the same, same as it always has been. There's still debt notes, there's still fiats, there's still no value backing them, nothing like that. 
but worse. But worse. Pro- yeah, but they're, <laughs> yeah. they're programmable. Exactly. And they're exactly so they can change the value whenever there's no guarantee on value, right? When you have a limited amount of a money supply, then you can cap a value and then the value is added by the people. But if, if you can just manipulate the value and push of a button, then it's a meaningless, it's meaningless. It literally can change overnight and it's so unstable. Um, but they're trying to force people into wanting it and how they did it in, in Kenya is they, um, or Nigeria rather, I think it's actually Nigeria where they did it. Um, but they've been testing in different countries to see the reactions and they restricted cash like $40 a day. Um, but it takes more than $40 a day to live. Therefore, people were feeling pressured to also get some CBDCs because they released them and nobody bought any, nobody wanted them. And that's telling, I mean, right there, you just made something that you're supposedly selling and saying is good for the people and the people don't want it. So right there should be, oh, that's failed. Like right there. Oops. Let's make an important point here, Amanda. The media is controlled. You're never going to openly hear about the things that the control system doesn't want you to hear about. But what I am noticing is there are huge fails all over the place. And you brought up Kenya. There's another place in Africa where they started to remove the money. They even put a deadline for give it back to us. Nobody listened. Eventually, it ended up going to their Supreme Court, I think. They, the Supreme Court ordered that they couldn't take the paper dollars that everyone still wanted uh, until December, till things were worked out. But here's even a bigger thing. I've actually been privy to been told about the systems fail. They have four levels of what they consider a fail on their part. The biggest one is we all come together and become more self-sufficient. But to get back to Africa or uh, no, the digital ID, which was tested in places like Indian Africa for almost a decade, by the way, I mean, when I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot longer than I thought it had been going on. They had no trouble implementing uh, people to get it. They had pretty clever ways of pretty much making the majority of people get it. Less than 10% of them used it. This is on average across all the seed places they did it. There are places in the UK now that have basically fired their city council because they wouldn't listen and quit paying their city council tax, uh, things like this. There are all these narratives of change of mind to include what's being allowed out on YouTube. And my estimation of that is the people who were so happy to enforce a short while ago are realizing what am I enforcing here? This is going to affect me in the long run. There's all kinds of reasons to not go with the media idea that there's nothing we can do and we're helpless. That is not a valid picture. But when I initially asked you the question, and I think Jason and I talked about this a few times, you had been pressured as a natural healer. They did more things than I'd heard on almost anyone to try to shuffle you out of what you were doing. Is that still going on now? Are they still trying to basically stop your ability to operate in natural health ways? Yeah, that's they're they're always looking for a way to do that. But ultimately, it's my own. I take full responsibility for all of it because I'm trying to get out of any level of victimhood at all of, you know, what the government's this and, you know, all of the goals of the WEF and whatever. I'm trying to figure out how to integrate and and re-empower myself so that I'm truly in a sovereign state of mind. And that means my, the way I live, it will follow suit. And, you know, I've studied a lot of law and I've done all sorts of different tests in the court with uh, commercial approaches um, and accepted for value and, and these sorts of things. And now with another challenge before me, where I had to file regular normie taxes, because here in Canada, and I believe it's it's pretty common, you won't get a mortgage. You can't unless you have filed two years of your taxes and that you don't owe the government anything. And they won't even look at your application otherwise. So when I bought this this house, I had to or what I thought at the time is I had to do that. So I contracted with them. So see, what we're not realizing is we've been making mistakes with this system ourselves. And so the way we spend with 
debt notes, the way we pay a debt with a debt, which is not supposed to happen, the way that we are working in commerce, we are making errors continually. And ultimately, it's a it's us creating the system because the system's laws, the, the common laws that will be created, which are always changing and can become very harsh, are happening tighter and tighter in control because we are out of control. We're not using the system as it was intended. And we are making imbalances in the ledger that is causing all of this debt to spiral. So we're blaming them, which, yeah, we can. We can certainly do that. And they're corrupt and crazy. And all. Okay, yeah, we know that. But what I'm saying is from like, let's go spiritual for a sec, like from our knowledge of what this place is supposed to be for us, which is we are of God, we are born abundant, we have birthrights, you know, that's that. Um, we have to take charge of that now and make the corrections when we interface with these entities so that we are um, not making mistakes in commerce and that we operate from a place of equity and we make corrections. Um, so I made a mistake, right? I filed taxes. I volunteered basically because you don't have to file taxes because it's actually a volunteer position and there's no law that says you have to as much as they'll say it. And the much they'll try to show a statute, there's no true law that says you have to. And if you understand how to interact and and what these these so-called bills that come your way, what they really are, are presentments. And once you know how to sign that bill and turn it back to them, it's actually paid. And they can balance the ledger properly and they can get access through your bond, through your birth certificate bond, and all of these sorts of things. So I'm so when a challenge comes, the way I've trained myself now to look at it, despite the initial alarming, you know, oh, somebody's, you know, frozen my bank account or these sorts of behaviors. What I'm doing now is really looking at the energy of what that is and transmuting it and taking that as just raw energy as raw power. So whatever, like your heart sinks when something bad happens, right? Well, that's an energy. So what is that about? Instead of going, oh, I want yucky energy gone. Ooh, I go, I'm going in, going into that. What is that about? Where did that come from? Why do I keep getting this from time to time? Where did it originate? And I want the source of that and I want to integrate it. And that's my power. That's energy. That's life energy and or life force. So now when I'm looking forward, I'm like, I'm going to make these corrections. I made the mistake. I'm taking full self-responsibility. It doesn't matter what that other person did. I'm owning it. So now I'm going to approach it with proper equity law and say, oh, oops, you know, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. You know, you guys did all your mistakes too, but whatever here, let me just pay that out. We'll balance the ledger. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And when you are in this space, which I'm hoping to learn now, because I never really dove deep into this type of law very much, um, which is a correction of the, of the um, common law, essentially. Uh, because the, the common law is can be ridiculous, like what we've seen through the whole pandemic, right? These are all generalized case law. Are you talking peculiar to Canada? Um, no, it's not because there's no. Well, the part that's peculiar is that we have a smaller population. So not a lot of people have done the process. So a lot of the administrators have to be trained on the process as well, right? But because we, many of us have paved the way for a long time and and put these methods through courts and put them to administrators, they're getting more familiar with them. So we just have to train them again on how to do this ledger work. But um, so yes, it's a little bit different in different countries, depending on how much exposure they've had to it, but it's all the same or similar like processes because everything's just an amalgamated corporation anyway. And it's really just about money it comes down to just ledger work. So the idea that I operate on having done so many legal episodes with Jason I zeroed in on three methods that I think teach people valuable things within the three that we cover, the people who are big leaders in, in these movements, they don't quite often see eye to eye at all. And I think that's a huge shame. But my point is, what I learned is what I've always known when I was born, the creator granted me rights. Now, my majority of my life, I lived my idea thinking, oh, well, you know, the government's and protecting my rights. Well, later in life, what I came to learn is the rights, the government and societal and civilian rights, they're a downgrade. So what you're doing is you're trading off your God-given rights for a less valuable 
version of rights that they define, which they regular break in the first place. And if I'm hearing you correctly, the mindset that I take every day is similar. Every day, I thank the creator for the rights I've been granted, and I iterate them, and then I claim them every day. And on the tail of that, I demand that anyone who would infringe on these rights cease and desist for all time. And here's the crux of everything, I think. If there is a higher power, if there is a creator, and we were granted these things, then by defending those, don't we, in essence, create a force that's not quantifiable that, how do I describe it? It's like when a door slams, another door somewhere else opens up. It's like in COVID when everyone was afraid because they couldn't pay. If they didn't, they thought if they didn't take the shot that they would lose their livelihood, they would lose their home. They wouldn't be able to take care of their family, but almost to a person, the people that we covered that did stand up against it, their lives improved in unimaginable ways. So, I mean, is that really what you're thinking about? Is it about there's a higher grant here that we were given because we're alive and we've got to get back to recognizing, claiming, and defending that because everything else is a downgrade. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's about natural law. That's the natural law is the highest. It's it is the and the most evident. And we're correcting these mistakes. This was a mistake to spiral down into uh, citizenry and and agreeing and contracting with uh, entities that are um, not living, <laughs> they're, they're dead, and, and also acting as if we are also dead because we're acting as if we are the straw man, we're, that we are the fiction. And those are mistakes. And now we want to correct to nature, back to nature, the natural way. And so it's just a, sh- it's a pivot, it's a shift. And, but you have to first recognize the difference and then, um, and own the mistake, eat the mistake, and then make, make the corrections uh, through the process of rescission, of, of forgiveness. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I had no clue. I was ignorant. And I know ignorance of the law is no excuse. But I, there it was, and I made all those mistakes, and it got us into this debt. It got me into my situation or whatever, and I'm going to make sure I do it responsibly. It's all about that. Even when you accept a presentment or a bill, you're like, well, I can conditionally accept it, or I can totally accept it. So I've been doing the conditional acceptance. For example, they sent me a notice. The CRA said, we'd like you to please uh, file your taxes. I said, well, thanks for the notice. Um, I will absolutely get right on that, but here's my bill, you know, pay, pay it first. I don't work for free for the corporation. Um, and I'll get right on that. Well, they don't pay, so I don't do it. Right. So that's a conditional acceptance method, but an acceptance method is thank you for the presentment. Let me just give you my signature and some, uh, accounting details and direct you properly. And here you go. It's sorted out, you know, pointing at the straw man. Is that what you're getting at? Well, it's utilizing your the very rich bond that you have, yes, through the fiction that was created, okay. you know, uh, with you. Now, got got it. And and has that been successful? These mm-hmm. endeavors? Yes, in the states they've been successful. So I'm going to trial it in Canada and see if the method is the same or not. So once I go through that, I'll report back and see how how that gets on. Yeah, this is a big, these are big ideas. And if I could say one thing, man, if I could have one wish with regard to the legal things, I wish people would come together. Um, Jason and I have a unique view because of what we do, but we found the value and we found three that we're willing to cover regularly because there's important things to learn, but they're vastly different. And not only what they try to achieve, but how they go to achieve it. There are so many ways to skin this cat. I mean, you want to add anything here, Jason? I'm getting ready to pivot into our bullet points. Well, I'm always finding the whole law thing and people diving into it quite fascinating. So I'm curious to see how far you get, considering it's nice to see someone with your intellectual capacity trying to wade those very murky waters. Mm -hmm. Well, I've done it for a good proportion of my life. So to me, it's natural in a way this is my path and and i've learned that when things that are stressful come that they are pivots they're meant to be i missed an easier pivot along the way somehow 
I missed the subtle signs and then the signs got bigger because I'm supposed to do something. And that's how I always see my communications from God is like, oh, whoops, sorry, I was like off daydreaming. I didn't see the earlier sign that I need to pivot and study this now or look at this now or address this in my life. And and the sooner we do that, I find we're, we get out of the frenetic what ifs and and, and um, upsetting space. We, we work through it and then we get on with the business of what's the action now that has to be taken and the practical aspect of it. Cause I, I am very practical and I know that this is important because all of our structures are changing right now. We need to get to the, to the heart of it. And we don't want to make these mistakes going forward. Uh, you know, we don't want to reset and then we just go back to the same, same, but worse, you know, situation where we're just keep digging ourselves our own graves. And it's all because we've abused a system that wasn't meant to be used the way it was. And yeah, we were coerced and tricked and all the little, whatever we want to blame, you know, did that. Trust. Trust did that. Yes. Trust did that. And that brings us into trusts, actually. That's right. If you want to own a business, you don't incorporate it. You put it into a functional trust. Uh, If you want to have a house and you want to pass that house on to offspring for a penny, you put it in in a in a, tr- a trust account, right? And and there's different ways of doing it in different countries. So that will entail you knowing you know a process for for the country. This is just little little I's and T's that have to be <laughs> dotted and crossed different ways. But otherwise, it's doable, and that's the protection and the knowledge. And we've just not gone there yet. But look where we're going with the knowledge. Look what's happening. I mean, look. Uh, I knew about electroculture, for example, for ages, right? And, uh, but I never really got settled enough to do it. So now I'm like this year, I finally figured out what I'm doing with my gardens. I'm like, the electroculture is happening. So how am I going to do it? And I just simply started, I got some copper from my electrician friend. I stripped off the plastic. I started just wrapping sticks like for just, let's see. And I thought they're pretty and whatever. And here I go about just sticking them around my house in the plants. And then I'll go outside when it's finally melted off and I go stick them in the ground in different places. And the art part of me is like, Ooh, (laughs) they're pretty, you know, this kind of thing. And I have all this work and I, so pretty, but the practical aspect was really incredible to witness because right away I put about maybe seven or eight of these around my property. And, you know, I've done the, the vinegar method with chemtrails successfully all of last year and did various experiments and this freaking cleared the chem crap over I couldn't believe it I sat there and literally watched my uh, my skies clear up and then I went and looked it up and people are reporting this so wait a minute what let's you got to tell us what electroculture is I just did a quick look up while you were speaking and it said it was presented first in 1749 by a guy named Abe Nolet, but then in the 20s, another guy named Christoflo. But in the 40s, they're associating it with Victor Schauberger. So I'm already interested. Yeah. What is electroculture? And are you insinuating that when the sky is all smudged out from chemtrailing, uh, this deals with it? Yeah, it seems to deal with it as far as um, my experience and others who are doing it as well, not just in my own area, because I've spoken about it with them and they're doing it, but also people in other countries, other places in the world. What is it? How do you do it? Okay, well, there's multiple methods and there's wonderful resources. And if you want to go to our Telegram group, we've uploaded some books and, and other you know free resources that you can begin with. It's very, very simple concept. And it means you have to understand that we have something called ether. And the ether is the electricity aspect of our air. And what is happening when you are coiling the copper, it, or it doesn't even have to be copper. It can be aluminum, which I don't recommend because it's not a nice, healthy metal. Copper is a healthy metal. We need it in our soils, for example. So it's a perfect one for this experiment. Um, cause there's two, there's two things going on here. We're, we want to do it to grow big plants, right. To, to enliven in the soil. And then it's also clearing the air itself. So something's happening there. So there's two, two aspects. So what, when you put the embed, the metal that is coiled with, into the ground is pretty deep. You want to go kind of close to root level if you can. 
All right. I don't want to keep interrupting. So basically you're taking a stick or a dowel of some kind, which I'm assuming is wood non-conductive. Is that right? Yeah. Um, but people have done all kinds of variations with it. And I think the coiling is what's very important. I mean, you could stick it on a metal stick and it would be fine as well. It creates a field. So what's happening is you're making a loop antenna. So there's the naggy antenna, which is, which you can also make easily at home, which it's more spiky. So at the top, there's like lines and spikes, and that's pulling in the uh, energy, the electricity, the dielectric current is being attracted to the coil or the uh, naggy um, antenna. So there's a couple different antenna ways you can do it. The, The loop is the easiest. It's the simplest. And it pulls it down. It creates a magnetic field around it. And it drives the dielectric current into the soil and the degrading of the dielectric current is creating magnetism and the soil eats that up. So it affects the growth of the microbes in the soil. It helps them to be more balanced. It tends to deter pests because it allows for better um, communication of the water to the soil, that relationship. And it upregulates everything. So it's speeding up all of these reactions. And when you enrich the soil, the, uh, the nutrients that are in it are more available. So you don't need to use as many amendments in your soil to have good growth. The nutrient aspect is really coming from the electrical aspect and degrading into magnetism, which tells you a lot about life, right? That life runs like a battery. We run like a battery. We have structured water inside of our bodies that uh, has a specific charge, a negative charge next to bulk water, which has a positive charge. And then sunlight (laughs) is the input that gives us the electrical uh, ion energy that runs the battery. And that's why you have people like breatharians, people who don't need to eat food because there's another source of electricity coming in to run the battery system rather than the the molecules that are broken down from food. It's the same thing in the soils. You're pulling in this fuel, this battery life for the soil. You can make the most incredibly large (laughs) amounts of food for, for very little. And as well, you can show the seeds. It's called magnetic seed showing where you use a neodymium magnet and you um, expose the seeds to the magnet before you plant them. And they're doing comparative studies where the growth of those seeds is much higher than that, which has not been exposed to the magnetism. And that alone is profound for food growing. And also in regions with poor soil, um, a lot of people can find copper and wires and, 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 you know, go to scrap heaps and get this stuff and get really stronger soils going. And the interesting thing is it really attracts more life. I've noticed more um, animals and birds and other life coming to my property. The fact that it cleaned up the sky was really exciting for me because I've always been very confused about how the geoengineering works with free will, because it seems I haven't consented. I do very similar to what you do, Crow. I declare you know, every day I cancel clear contracts. I may have inadvertently uh, accepted. I, you know, I say, I invite God to be the, through me, to work through me, you know, that it's not my will, it's the bigger will, these sorts of things. But this one bothered me because I don't consent to this and this is affecting me directly. And this is very empowering to know that we can simply put these antenna out on our land. So let's, I want to, I want to ask questions before, before you keep going. So I go to the hardware store and I get, let's just say I get like what would be a, a broom handle or I had a piece of wood, like a broom handle and I get some copper wire. Is it being coiled either clockwise or counterclockwise does it matter how many coils there are does it matter the gauge of the wire does it matter how deep you set it in the ground or how much is above the ground Mm -hmm. yeah the more you more of the metal that you have or the more concentrated then the more you're attracting the more that's going to happen Uh, you also want to be aware that you can overwhelm plant systems by doing it too much Ideally, um, I mean, Ken Wheeler is really into this stuff and he talks about trying to space your your coils more so evenly 
trying to get them down, the coiling down to the root level of whatever you're growing as much as possible. Do the coils touch each other or the coil, does the copper wire touch or is it spaced? It's supposed either or you can do it spaced or some people will run uh, under the ground and connect another line of copper uh, and they are directing it towards the magnetic north, which is the center, which is our center, right, on the flat plane. Um, And that is, so there's all these alignments that are discussed. Now, in the electroculture world, if they think that we live on a ball earth, there's going to be some mistakes, but in some ways in the explanation, but ultimately, you know, some people say, oh, coil left and coil right. And and because of the poles, you know, and this sort of thing, but they're thinking ball earth, but I've done both and I find success with both. I was going to do an experiment to see if counterclockwise uh, was more so for clearing the air and clockwise was more for the soil, but I haven't seen a difference. I can add a little bit of knowledge there. Actually, mm-hmm. Fortune and I, I don't know, months ago, I had a conversation about this. It matters. And the reason mm-hmm. I knew it matters is way back decades ago, when I was first studying Tibetan Buddhism, they would get these shells that they did things with, like make horns and other things. Yeah. And they would always distinguish whether it turned to the left or the right. So I knew the spiral mattered. Then I found myself uh, in the Southwest looking at petroglyphs and I recognized that the spirals would go one way or the other. Here's what I've determined from people who know quite a bit. In meditation and other methods, people might consider that when I consider counterclockwise movement about my body, it's disconnecting. When I consider clockwise motion about my body, uh, it's connecting. Um, And that's only one small aspect of what it could mean, but if that helps at all. So what I'm hearing is say I did, say I'm, I'm not doing this, say I'm interested in just the chemtrails for right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone can look up how to help your tomato plants and other things, and you're going to explain that. But if I just wanted to deal with chemtrails, I get a broomstick, I get a relatively heavy gauge copper wire, and I go clockwise all the way up, then I bury it in the ground. Let's say I do it a foot and then I put it out there. It's your contention that this will help to dissipate the kind of milky ugliness of the sky after a heavy chemtrail run. Yes, as I've been witnessing it. I've never had such a normal looking sky since I've mm. done this in the whole time I've lived here and the whole time I lived at the other house as well. And they're still spraying. It's still happening. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's harder for, for the, to stay. Now, I was trying to think um, what is happening to the ether? Is it because there's a relationship between the ground and the sky? Is it because it's grounding the uh, electrical, the dielectric into that space and that creating a magnetic field is the, is that rising? So what happens to the magnetic field, you know, basically? And how is that impacting what's above it? Um, I mean, I don't, ha- I haven't gone all the way into the science of it. Like I did with the vinegar, the vinegar, I dove deep and I was like, what could be happening that this is, we're going to have to cover that. So don't, yeah. don't forget that because I've okay. been doing it and I did it. You're, it it freaking works. It works. Yeah. It yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain that in a bit, you know, how it works. Cause I, I, I knew there had to be, this is chemistry. That particular one is chemistry. Chemistry is something I'm good at. I, I knew I could figure that out and I did. But the, the this, this this stuff is in more Ken Wheeler's wheelhouse, you know. I I don't completely understand the interplay between these fields, but it's clearly making fields. Do other people put these in the ground and recognize that it's dissipating the yes. milky chemtrail? Okay, so I'm in. I'm gonna do it. I'll report back. Cool. And let's do the vinegar. So here's what happened recently. David Weiss called me and he said, you're the only person I know to call. I'm going to ask you this crazy question about vinegar and I'm going to ask you if it works. I said, you don't need to tell me. Yes, it works. I know it works. And he goes, how do you even know what I'm talking about? I said, because I had to do this in San Diego just so I could use my telescope. It had gotten so bad. Basically you take, and it's cheap. You take a gallon of distilled white vinegar outside. If you have a barbecue or a barbecue with a hot plate, you boil it. And within an hour, you will begin to see 
that the blue skies are coming back within two or three hours. My experience here the other day, the last time I did it was as far as I could see was blue skies and they were spraying us like bugs. Uh, it's my contention that you're starting a chain reaction, but what you explained to us why, and it's almost unbelievable. The first time I did it, I couldn't, I saw it work and I thought this is just a fluke. There's no way in hell my little stupid boiling pot of vinegar here is clearing miles and miles of sky above my head, but <laughs> it, it does to the point where if a thousand people in this state, my little state of Rhode Island did it, you would have blue skies everywhere. So how does it work? What's your idea on, on why boiling vinegar clears our skies back to blue? Yeah. And, you know, this was back in May of 2022 when I was really, I noticed it was working. And again, the correlations kept adding up. I would try, I did the boiling method. I did the just laying out method in a black uh, turkey pan with uh, cleaning vinegar. So it was a little more concentrated. I did the method with the uh, um, humidifier method, especially when it started to get cold because see, there's a limitation to it for people who live in the great white North, (laughs) white meaning we get a lot of snow. You can't really run this very well in the winter because you need the heat for the evaporation in order for the oxidation of OH, so oxygen, hydrogen, um, moiety, those free radicals um, by hydrogen ions. And so that's, this is acetic acid. There's actually a few acids in there, but acetic acid and formic acid seem to be the two bigger players in, in it um, because of the way that they give off um, these hydrogen ions through this evaporation process. So there's an acid-based chain reaction effect that occurs by this evaporation, which can just show you how subtle local hydrogen ionic changes actually can affect water as it's affecting the waters and waters are conscious as well. So then we haven't even gone there, but you know, with the research, but then you have conscious water and, and sharing of water information. There's that whole thing. But I found that if you were to have enough and doesn't even have to take a lot, but enough of this hydrogen ionic change coming up into the air, it causes a reaction with the OH radicals and whatever they've sprayed. So whatever that's, but it's a chain reaction. Is that right? That start, right. So what happens is it begins like a chain reaction where it just creates essentially water. And if it's a lot, you know, if there's a lot of water in the air, it'll make it rain. And I've noticed that too. I put the vinegar out within half an hour, it's raining. So it'll make in H2O from it and it's gone and it dissipates. Or if it's hot enough, it'll just go into steam and it'll just vaporize or evaporate literally in your, in front of your eyes. And that's the thing that makes the most logical sense to me from a chemistry perspective. And also then I started thinking, why do they hate hydrogen technology so much when that's a free energy option for us? We can have cars and other vehicles running on hydrogen and running on water. Basically, we already have this tech. Why are they hate it so much? You know, that could have been unearthed long ago. Um, and I'm sure it's been tried and then and, and smothered. And I think it's because their geoengineering programs would be finished because everyone's dri- driving and putting off hydrogen ions everywhere. You know, that's an idea. So let's make a big deal out of this. I was waiting. I, I didn't really realize we were going to go down this road, but this is no joke. Just simply boiling a gallon of vinegar in your backyard. And by the way, so you know, like three or four weeks ago, they started spraying at a level that I haven't seen in forever. And David Weiss reminded me of a thing I'd forgotten about. And I immediately that day went out and I got my, you know, it wasn't even really warm enough to be thinking about the barbecue yet, but I got briquettes, I got everything, my heavy pot, I did it. And once again, re-amazed. I knew what was coming, but I was re-amazed. And over the course of three hours, I burned through more than a gallon of vinegar. I kept it going for five. I think I went through more than two gallons of vinegar. Uh, I think part of it is you let it sit. Even after you're done boiling, you let it sit when there's like an inch left in the bottom. But from North to south, as far as I could see, I could see the edge of where the sky was still milky. But, you know, I was guessing how many miles is that? Still blown away that my little tiny gallon pot had created a chain reaction. This is real. 
And people can do this. I urge them to do it and film it. But you mentioned two other methods. Are there methods to be used when the conditions aren't, you know, if I can't boil, you mentioned a, a turkey pan and you mentioned a humidifier. How does that work? Well, my I knew that we needed evaporation. I was playing around with different methods of evaporation to test what would be more effective, what would take longer. And I was just experimenting. So I, so using the black colored pan and putting it out in the sun, I, I was getting lots of evaporation. And I found that method worked just fine on the regular spray days when they weren't going like really, really heavy. But then there'd be like special days where they were after it, you know, they were going really deep and hard. And I think almost it's making them try to do it harder because <laughs> they're like, what's happening? Why isn't this sticking? Right. So they're like more, more. Um, and I, that's when I bought the, um, the, um, the, the vaporizer um, to put out because then that's going right into what, like it's going right into the vapor itself. Right. And it's heated air and my, the idea was to see if that works better or not. I didn't find it necessarily better, uh, but it was an option for those days where there was no sunlight to evaporate my vinegar. And so that's when I decided how I would choose which method. Your method is actually outside. You've got heat on it. You're boiling it up. And that method would have to happen for those really super heavy spray days um, where a little bit of vinegar evaporation isn't going to cut it. So it did. We we yeah. it, they were spraying from north to south nonstop, line after line. Couldn't see the sun. Within an hour, there was blue. Within three hours, like I described, it's unbelievable. And I started, you know, I, I remember back in San Diego. I don't even know why. I, I guess I do because I knew I had to get out of San Diego and I had to come here and do what I had to do. But I was thinking, if someone got like a helium balloon and you know messed with whether, you know, get vinegar up there and then expel it and film it, you know, so it was concentrated vinegar at altitude, you'd have to be able to see that chain reaction, don't you think? Or if someone had a drone or something and they, you know, got up, I don't know, 500 or a thousand feet and they missed it, it somehow you would, I mean, I'm guessing you would see a dramatic chain effect occur if it was all at once like that, don't you think? You would just need to do a hydrogen fill. Just just go right for the hydrogen. Don't even worry about the vinegar at that point. You go for the fill a balloon full of hydrogen and pop it up there and see what happens. You know, and film. Yeah, it's amazing because I I actually went to film. I I don't have my time lapse like I in San Diego. I had a thing where it would have been easier for me to time lapse. But if I would have done it the other day, it would have been astonishing. And by the way, Dave was doing it in Connecticut. And he, you know, he did what I did the first time he did it. He's like, I can't believe it. You know, this worked, but it's got to be a fluke. Right. So that's why he called me. I said, no, this is real. And, you know, what we're talking about, like, I'm going to do the copper thing you explained. Absolutely. I'm going to do it big and I'm going to do it in the four corners of my yard. I'm going to use big gauge things. I'm going to first, I'm going to coil clockwise. I think I'll have to think about that. And I'm going to leave a tail of the copper above the wooden thing that I sink into the ground. Yeah. And I'm going to see, because they are literally, the spraying has picked up. You can always tell there's something coming when yeah. you see the spraying go to the levels that it's at now. And by the way, if you go to the forum, you'll see that it's in a lot of places. In Canada, did you guys notice a pickup in the chem trailing over the last, say, three weeks? Uh, well, for me here, it's been normal. So no. <laughs> Because I have the copperhead is just actually it's so nice to see fluffy clouds again. I, I don't remember last time I saw like actual pretty fluffy clouds. And if I go driving around, yeah, there it's usually milky. It's that milkiness. Yeah. Even if you had that nice round cloud, right? The fluffy cloud, there would always be like a background milky haze. This gets rid of the haze. The haze is no longer. So you can still have your clouds, your normal clouds and sort of thing, but that disgusting, weird milk is gone. And they try to spray, but it just always, like you said, it's always, you can see it on the outskirts. So if I look around my my property, I'm like, yep, they're milky over there. I can see that they're milky over there, but they're not milky here, you know? And there's going to be times where it will overwhelm you. It's not going to be 100% effective if they're just, in, they're adamant that they're going to have this. I did it with vinegar and they were freaking as adamant as I have ever seen. And I kicked yeah. their ass. 
Yeah, I'm just saying, I kicked their ass that day. So do you <laughs> do you think that taking a nice big, you know, inch in diameter wooden like a broom handle or shovel handle, wrapping it and putting it in the four corners, do you think that will give me a result? Yeah, that's a good start. You're going to know your levels. You're going to see what happens with that amount. And then you're, you might go, okay, let's see if I double it, what happens? Like you'll have to play around with it. And interestingly, I didn't even think about coiling direction when I started. I just started doing it counterclockwise. I didn't mean to, it just did. So I'm pretty sure all of mine right now are counterclockwise just by sheer, like I just, that was the way my hand was doing it. Right. So I all experiment. Might with, be best. That's a yeah. disconnect. Right. So as I started to yeah. say clockwise in my mind, I'm all, wait a minute. I don't want to connect to that. I want to disconnect from that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did them all counterclockwise just intuitively. And, um, but now I haven't done them so much for uh, the, the gardening aspect. So uh, maybe that is the uh, clockwise method that's preferred yeah. for the gardening aspect. Have to test, but we're yeah. coming, we're coming to the top of the hour. Go ahead and tell folks where they can find you and your work. By the way, when we come back, we're going to get into new DMSO extractions. Amanda's launching a few things, educational courses. There's other things that we're going to bring up. The DMSO is a big deal. Jason and I have a close personal friend who just employed DMSO and iodine to basically shrink to the point where you can't even detect a cancerous tumor of all things. But Amanda, please tell folks where they can find you and your work and your products. Yeah, well, yummy.doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, that's the domain. That's my educational website where the courses are going to be launched very soon. We have a social media membership, groups, all this sort of stuff that's coming. And then dmso.store for anything DMSO, all the DMSO infused products um, and extractions. And then yum, Y-U-M, naturals.store for the other uh, non-DMSO creatives that are there and supplements and things that I make like salves and um, uh, sprays and and essential oils, that sort of thing. And then I'll have healing with DMSO, of course.com, which is my, my book. And uh, Telegram channel is Healthy Dose of Truth. We're going to probably privatize that and switch over to our membership for most of our discussions once that's live. So that would be a good place to just go get it registered and we'll let you know when the courses are dropped at yummy.doctor. All right. So the day this goes live, it's 502 the episode. Please log in to comments and put your links in. Uh, If you need an account, just email me if you've expired or anything like that. You were the first person, I think, that came on and talked about DMSO. DMSO is freaking magic. And mm-hmm. in the hands of someone like, say, Fortune de St. Germain, it's like magic, magic. I'm not even kidding you uh, what, what I've learned. Like I had, I thought my rotator cuff was going bad. Turns out I was getting a little bit of um, arthritis. Yeah, arthritis. And I put iodine and DSMO on my shoulder once, once. And I, since then, I haven't felt the pain. Just mm-hmm. so folks know, Amanda puts a book out. You got to be safe with the MSO. It's not a thing to use if you don't know what you're doing. There's little things to know, like when you mix it with things, it heats up temporarily. But we're going to get into these things. But when we come back, I want to just finish up on the chemtrailing and geoengineering. Because what we know now, I mean, with the tide turning and so many people you know, have had it up to their eyeballs with all this. What I noticed the day that I kicked their butts was when I stopped that evening, they poured it on, I think, to try to make up ground. In the middle of what I was doing, they stopped. So they've been going for days. I basically kicked their butt with two gallons of white vinegar. They stopped in the middle of that. And then after, as it was getting dark, they started picking up again. And I remember commiserating, man, if I could get even a few hundred people in the state, they'd be, they'd be freaking done. They would not be able to block the sunlight. But Jason, anything you want to get in? I know we're going a little over here. I'm curious about the amount of energy that could be pulled or electricity that could be pulled. Is that consistent from place to place all over the world? Do you know? Or is that something that you're always going to get X amount if you do this amount of coiling or however you put it? Or do different places in the world actually have different energy levels? Well, we're on the shield here in Ontario, and I can imagine with the amount of crystal and everything that it's amplified here, 
And I guess that would be different depending on the rock you're sitting on or lack thereof. Uh, other factors, other towers maybe, or other Wi-Fi maybe can in, uh, interfere. These are all excellent questions, things that we need to do science on and figure out uh, what is the, the best way to do it and, and how much energy is coming through in a given spot. Now we're talking about the ether we're talking about something that is in the air. But now if you're in a city, what is the ether level in the city versus in the country, right? And what would be the impact of pulling that in through an antenna? How would it even impact all those other fields, right? And how does that then change if you're doing electroculture, how much the soil is getting? But either way, it's a healing force. It's pulling in energy that wants to support life and the healing of that life. And even if it's a weaker field, you're still going to get some effect from that. And the rest, we're still definitely questioning. But what I like is that, you know, when your grandchildren ask, oh, hey, how did you uh, fight the new world order, right? <laughs> With all their technology and their trillions of dollars <laughs> and all this stuff. It's like, vinegar, Co- copper, vinegar wire. copper, bitches. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be laughing, but I literally the other day walked away saying, I just kicked their butts. I can't believe I forgot about this method. Anyhow, we've got to wrap hour one of episode 502. Hour one is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W 777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full two hour, two hour plus episode. They also get free access to the movie called Shoot the Moon that Jason made about all my telescope work. It's really quite a good movie. It's got 10 awards at this point. And with that, I'm going to prep up for hour two. We're going to pick up with the geoengineering thing and finish off that idea. I hope to see you all over at the website for hour two as a member. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.